never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that thinks Love Actually is a prequel to Die Hard. That way, when you watch them back to back, Alan Rickman dies for what he did to Emmett Thompson. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, man. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <What's> up? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know what how I even feel about that joke, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So it's uh, it's Christmas for us, for everybody. Um it's actually uh, Christmas Eve Eve, if you will. Um, Peter and I weren't sure if we were actually get an episode in this week. The uh, weather coming through Chicago has been a nightmare in terms of scheduling not only the show, but like things with family and all kinds yeah. of stuff. So um, we're happy to be here. Um, I will yeah. say that uh, top of the show, I will say that next week uh, we will be taking the week off to enjoy the christmas through new year's break but that's all right we'll see you at the uh first thing right away when new year's and the new year so um peter do you have something you're gonna say i feel like I interrupted you oh no i was just gonna say with the weather we're getting a white christmas this year which is pretty cool what's not cool or i guess what's not nice about it is the uh, sub-zero temperatures that are coming with it because it's one of those things where it's like you know, I was thinking, like, uh, we're going to my wife's uh, parents' house for the actual day of Christmas, and they're actually super close to a sledding hill. And I was like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to go sledding, like, after we open the presents and stuff. But no, it's going to be brutally cold <laughs> and definitely not an environment I should take my son out to go sledding. So that's the uh, the bummer about it. But what can you do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Not much I could say. Look, it's been a cold day. I got up this morning. I had some breakfast, watched some TV, fell asleep in front of the couch. It's too cold to do anything. We're talking like negative temperatures, negative yeah. base temperatures, not just wind chill, like negative base temperatures. Um, so I fell asleep on the couch watching some TV. I got up. I watched an actual movie, um, which I'll talk about in a second. I played some Xbox and now I'm sitting here with you, man. So it's been kind of a productive day, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I've got uh, the long weekend coming up and I took an extra day off next week. So I'm hoping to do some of that lazy movie watching and uh, video game playing that I don't get to do nearly enough. But uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, let's start with watching and reading. I have two actual big things to discuss. Um, I don't know about you. I am behind on Willow, so I can't talk about that, unfortunately. Um, but I I'm behind on Willow, too. And uh, I was hoping to catch up on that over this long weekend <laughs> that I've got coming up. But uh, I've got mostly I've got like a lot of things, but they're pretty short bits. So, uh, yeah, I can dive in if uh, 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's let's talk about the big elephant in the room. We both saw Avatar, so we'll discuss that shortly. Um, <laughs> Good call. We'll I actually talk- didn't even write down Avatar. I don't know why. It, I think it's because I don't know if just through like texts and stuff. I feel like I've talked to you briefly about it, so. For some reason, I almost felt like I already we already talked about it on the show. Well, to bury to bury the lead, you and I both said we liked it. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I figured a little bit more of an in depth review would be fine. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. So we got to talk about Avatar. We'll talk about that second uh, in a moment. What uh, is your smaller ones that you've watched? Right. So, um, well, the first thing I wanted to mention isn't necessarily too short, but. Uh, the other things are so um or actually no sorry i'm gonna switch this around i'm being kind of annoying about the order i'm (laughs) talking about this in but the one thing that i've been watching a lot of um with my son is a lot of the uh rankin bass like the classic christmas animated movies you know like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer or um uh, yeah the, the stop motion ones yeah, yeah, or like Santa Claus is coming to town, or um, even the the 2D animated Frosty movie counts as that. Like my son is obsessed with Frosty the Snowman right now for some reason. But what's cool about those uh, specials is I think they might be public domain because you can find them on all sorts of apps. Uh, you can find them all on YouTube to watch for free, and uh, it's like a pretty fun, like wholesome thing to just sit down and watch, you know. And it's like I appreciate it just from the craft level of the stop motion animation, but my kids just been loving it. So that's been mostly <laughs> what's been on in, in my house is just like watching a lot of those over and over again, which is awesome. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, which I don't think I've talked about this yet, but I know I reviewed White Lotus season one and uh, I watched the you second did, yeah. season. Yeah. I watched season two of uh, White Lotus. Is so I just wanted to before you go into it, is season mm-hmm. two longer? I don't think so. Um, okay. You it said might season be like one... an episode or two, but they're both really short. You said season one was six episodes, right? Yes. OK. Um, and I, I guess I guess I don't think about a lot of times when I watch something, I don't think about the exact episode count <laughs> you know <laughs> like i'll notice if it's like you know if it's lower than 10 i'll know that but i won't think about how many actual episodes it is and then if it's like 20 something i'll notice that if that makes well, sense i always i always pay attention to the episode count because let's say season one like um parks and rec is a really good example uh the first season was only like what six seven episodes and then after that it was like regular length season <laughs> Um, and I think it's because they didn't really know what the show was. They didn't know if they were getting picked up. So they did a short season. Some shows set a precedent. We have 10 episodes a season and then they condense or elongate. Yeah. It's like how many episodes do they even have to go? You know, like sometimes you don't know. And I find it more annoying that I don't know how many episodes they have. <laughs> but. So I'm pretty sure the second season is six episodes as well. Um, if it's, it might be seven or eight, but it's still a short watch. Um, white Lotus, I think has a formula to it where it kind of has these kind of like short mini series feeling sort of, uh, mystery of some kind. So in both seasons, you know, there's a death that that happens. You're basically revealed that one of the characters is going to, is going to die within the first scene. And then you go back a week in time and you watch the story unravel and like what led up to this death. And it's usually not even revealed 
who died until the very end. Um, so they have that formula and it's kind of, I couldn't, I don't really see them going longer than six to eight episodes. Like, I think it'd be kind of weird if they expanded too far, you know, bringing like in 10 more episodes. I just don't think it would work. But um, what I said about season one is I felt that it was good. Like it was fun to watch. It was funny, but I felt like the situations they put a lot of the characters in just didn't go far enough. Like they, I felt like in the, the first season there was uh, certain situations that could have, they could have really built up some really crazy drama and just crazy stuff that happened that they seemed to not focus on that. And so anybody listening who's watched the first season, um, Sydney Sweeney's character and her uh, best friend that she brought on her family vacation, that's a relationship that I feel like they could have done a lot more crazy dramatic things with that they kind of didn't. And I'll leave it at that since you haven't watched the show right. yet, Drew. But uh, anybody who's watching <laughs> will know what I mean by that. But what I loved about the second season is I did feel like they took things a lot further where a lot of the characters like they t- put them in really crazy situations and they really built up a lot of the drama um, in some cases, almost to like maybe somewhat unrealistic (laughs) lengths, but it was still like really enjoyable to watch. Um, And just like, uh, yeah, I I think I just liked the second season so much better than the first. So yeah, the the series is great. So um, if you have the chance to check it out, definitely do so. I'm keeping this vague because white Lotus is, a bit of a murder mystery show and I don't want to spoil anything as far as that goes. But um, the one thing I will say about white Lotus is there's one of the subplots in the show that I feel like morally, I don't know if I agree with because it feels like it glamorizes uh, infidelity in marriage, I guess. And that's the one, the one thing where I was like, they kind of make it seem like it's a really good thing to like cheat on your spouse. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily a good thing, you know, but otherwise uh, the second season I did think was pretty great. So, um, Oh, there's one more thing I wanted to mention besides avatar. And that is um, there's drew. I know I shared this with you. I don't know if you, if you've had the chance to watch it, but uh there's a animated teaser, like kind of like a teaser trailer for the Superman Lives movie that was never created yes. <laughs> or never, never finalized. Yeah. So this is the movie that was going to be directed by Tim Burton, starring Nicolas Cage. Um, I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch this yet, Drew? Um, I actually so that text when I got the text because you sent it to our like little group chat that we have. with our Yeah. Brother, right. OK. So when you sent that, I was like, ooh, I need to watch that. And then I never got a chance to sit down and watch it. And now you're reminding me going, you know, there's one thing I meant to watch before I sat down. And I, so, yeah. So it's it's about four minutes long. Um, so it's not going to take a ton of your time. But I think you, <laughs> I think you already knew that. But it's essentially um, it's a four minute long. They call it a teaser, but it kind of just feels like the opening scene of the movie almost. But you it's an animator or an animation team. Um, the animator is actually Paul B. Freeling and uh, his studios, Lazy Droid Studios, which might just be an independent thing. But they basically just took the classic Tim Burton 
concept art from Superman Lives and stuff and built like an animated short around it. So you're getting uh, you're getting to see Tim Burton's Brainiac. You're getting to see an animated version of Nicolas Cage in that Superman suit that he was supposed to be in. And it's just a really cool short watch. And it's one of those things where if they did that as a fan project, I kind of want them to adapt the whole script. <laughs> just make mm, it okay. as a fan project, mm. like do the whole movie and put it out there so everybody can see a glimpse of what the actual movie might have looked like. But it's you're, just really you're thinking that this is a completely like just isolated thing by itself and we're not actually getting a movie. I and that's the thing is I, I haven't researched it as deeply as I probably should have, but that's the impression that I got is like, this is just a one and done thing. We kind of want to show people what this might've looked like, but if they could go through and adapt the entire script, like that would be awesome. But either way, it is really fun to see those Tim Burton, Superman design elements brought to life, so to speak. So definitely check that out. Um, I watched this on the Superman homepage, which is an awesome website that uh, I used to frequent every day, to be honest, and I haven't been there in quite some time. But the Superman homepage always has awesome stuff if you're a fan of uh, Superman or DC Comics in general. Um, But you can probably find this on YouTube or Vimeo and stuff like that. So definitely check it out. It's as far as I know, it's just called Superman Lives Animated Teaser. So everybody should watch that. Um, And that's about it for me. Uh, Have you watched anything cool this week? All right. So before we talk about Avatar uh, this morning, I watched Glass Onion, the Knives Out, the new Knives Out movie. Mm. I'm planning to watch that tonight. How was it? Um, It's really good. Nice. Um, I so I really liked the first movie uh, that just knives out. I think this was a better mystery. Um, that's awesome. The only thing that makes the only thing that's really like like you have a better idea of who Daniel Craig's character is going into this. If you saw the first one, but you don't okay. have to see the first one at all to go into this movie. I just thought I just really, really enjoyed it from the opening this doesn't ruin anything at all because it's the opening of the thing. Um, this rich guy is hosting a party on an island is essentially the plot that gets everyone to the place where the murder happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rich guy getting these people to the island sends them these like puzzle boxes and they have to solve the puzzles to get the invitation. Um, <laughs> nice. It's an inc- it, like from that moment, you're just like, yeah, I'm in. This is cool. And it's like the coolest puzzle box. Um, you'll you'll understand when you see it, but it's like, wow, that's an incredible. Uh, that's just a really cool thing that he put together. Um, so nice. yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It's about two and a half hours, but it feels much shorter. Like it just flies. Um, that's great. So, yeah, really, really good. Um, but let's talk about Avatar, because I think yes. we both kind of got to eat some of our words. Um, yeah, I, I agree. We have been. I don't want to like, look, I knew that my butt was going to be in a seat for it. I knew that I was going. I was semi excited, but I've been incredibly skeptical leading up to it. I've been listening this whole time. You've heard the skeptical words like no one's asking for Avatar two, three, four, five, (laughs) six, however many are coming. No one's going to Avatar Con. No one's like losing their mind over this. It took so long between movies like 
James Cameron's trying to basically recreate, he's trying to make his own Star Wars. He's got really arrogant comments about Marvel has garbage motion capture compared to us, stuff like that. Like, and that really kind of deterred my opinion of the movie going in. Um, I found myself incredibly pleased with the movie. Like, yes. just incredibly pleased. Like, this is a lot of fun. I had so much fun watching that movie. Um, you were back in Pandora pretty quick with a pretty decent overview of to catch you up, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, visually, it's gorgeous. Um, like, it's probably one of the coolest movies. And I don't. Did you see it in 3D? I have not. And I've actually heard that it. IMAX 3D is the way to go. Well, this yeah. Movie. Well, this is. I, I actually had like a. I actually kind of got a free ticket to see the movie through work. Okay. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, yeah. So it's beggars can't be choosers. But if I go to see this again, I plan to do it in 3D. So when I was looking at the IMAX near my house of what my movie options were, I didn't have a choice but 3D. So I was like, well, I guess I'm seeing it in 3D where I got to get, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And, you know, Avatar 1, that was the big thing, see it in 3D. Um, And this movie, I'll tell you, the 3D really shined when you were in the underwater sequences. Uh, That's where the 3D was just Mm -hmm. mind-blowing to see with the fish passing in front of the screen and stuff like that. That's where it got real good um, in terms of the visuals. But, yeah, it's just a gorgeous, physical-looking movie. The story, in my opinion, is a little... um, I felt like it was I felt like there was a bunch of it that was pretty predictable and that kind of bummed me out a little bit. Um, And uh, I really uh, yeah, that kind of bummed me out a little bit that I thought the story was predictable. And I feel like there's a couple story threads that didn't carry. Like it's like they touched on these two there are two things that they touched on that just kind of. They never went back to. And well, you got to remember, there's going to be seven more of these movies I, or whatever. So. I I understand so. <laughs> that, but they touched on them so lightly. How, let me. I don't want to compare Avatar to Marvel. I really don't. But you know how Avatar lays an Easter egg for a future movie that you're not aware of is an Easter egg. Okay. Okay. This movie laid a story thread that they never went back to clean up. So it looks like a giant hole in the story to me that, yeah, there's a sequel coming, but I feel like there's there's a hole, you know, um, <laughs> Fair enough. And so, I feel like I might know what you're talking about. Well, yeah. so I mean, are we allowed to spoil as the is the movie been out long enough to like discuss spoilers? Because I have like because I can tell you what those things are for me. Um, I think. I think it'd be okay to put a spoiler warning and then any listeners who want to can skip ahead. All right. Five minutes, five right. to 10 minutes or whatever. Quick spoiler warning. Jump ahead a couple minutes. Um, if you don't want to hear this, um, the two, my two quibbles in terms of the plots that I think the story threads that were dropped were clearly they're cloning. Now it's not just the avatars. They're legit cloning. Mm-hmm. And, they have a clone of Sigourney Weaver's avatar growing. Yes. Um, which is happens to be a pregnant Sigourney Weaver's avatar uh, growing. And they have, and Kitty, uh, the one, uh, 
I guess the one Navi, the, the Navi hybrid knows that's her mom. The question is, is who's the dad? She's still in her like growing pod. They have the little pseudopod. They haven't like, I guess, hatched her yet. But the big question in my head is that they touched on it so lightly that you're just like, yeah, interesting. that's actually and one then of it, the things and then I they, thought you were mentioning. And they never went back to it. Yeah. It's just like, well, okay. Um, and then the other one is in the first movie, the humans were on Pandora because they were mining unatanium. The humans now are not there to mine unatanium. Right. The humans showed showed up to hunt the Navi and to mine that like like fluid they got from like the whales because it will stop human. Uh, it's like the fountain of youth. It'll stop human aging. Um, and I was like. That was so just I, f- I felt it was like an afterthought. Like, what do we need this for? Well, it's Fountain of Youth, basically. Here you go. <laughs> you know, like it was such a like throwaway dialogue line. I'm like, there's more to this. There has That's, to be more to this. No, I think you're right, because I that is so briefly mentioned that it's kind of just I think there was a lot of that in the movie where there's a lot of moments where you had to be really paying attention and uh it's been what uh 11 years since the yeah. first one came out and so a lot of people are going to be a little bit fuzzy on details from the first movie and there's certain transitions and certain things that happened that i felt like weren't super clearly communicated like um the uh evil military general guy or whatever i can't remember his name but when they first reveal like his new like cloned avatar character or whatever i thought it was actually kind of like not very clear who that was or even what was going on oh, that, moment, I, <laughs> that I, actually, I actually thought it was pretty clear who that was as long as you knew what happened in the first movie and uh, that, that's that's part of my issue is it's been a long time since i watched that but i think my point is like this is a sequel this is uh a lot of people probably haven't watched the first one in a long time. I understand that if you watch them back to back, it's probably a lot more clear. But for me, like with storytelling, I think clarity is like a thing I really, really value. And like that moment I felt was jarring. Um, the thing with like Sigourney Weaver's characters, like daughter or whatever the situation was, I thought that was a little like they didn't explain a lot about it. So there was a lot of points that left me wondering um, since I'm kind of putting out gripes uh my biggest gripe with the movie is the first like 20 minutes or so felt like i was watching the first avatar movie like it just felt like okay we're in the jungle with the navi they're fighting humans it feels like a direct follow-up to the first one it kind of felt like it was adding nothing new for the first 20 minutes and then when finally um sully and his family left their navi tribe And once they went to join the water tribe, everything after that I thought was awesome, was new. I just thought like the first 20 minutes or so of the movie was a little bit hard for me to get into. And I think maybe that's part of that is because 
it's been some time since I've watched the, the first one. A lot of the details were a little bit fuzzy for me. Maybe it took me a little bit longer to get into the movie. But I also do think that early on in the movie, it wasn't giving you a lot of new visuals or information or anything like that. But you. once they did join the Water Tribe, I was immersed. Like, I loved this film. Um, I do understand what you're saying about the story being predictable, but... To me, it wasn't as bad as the first one. Like, I remember watching the first one and the last half hour or so of the movie, I literally called everything that was going to happen in the order that it was going to happen. And this one, I don't want to say it kept me guessing, but it had me at least in suspense. It had me on the edge of my seat at moments, and it had me... I wasn't thinking about the structure of the film this time. I was just enjoying it for what it was, and I think that is a big strength of this movie like I was in the moment enjoying the movie I wasn't just um trying to you know trying to predict stuff where the first one I think it was more predictable than this one in my opinion so I think that's where my mind went like okay this is gonna happen then this is gonna happen then this is gonna happen um but yeah the second one was awesome I loved like I said I think the water scenes like the ocean is a scary place to say the least. And I think they really did play up like some of those scary moments. So there was a lot of just really suspenseful parts. I loved that there was jump scares in this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was great. My one, my one other gripe, and this is kind of just a gripe with the franchise as a whole so far is I do feel like every animal on Pandora I feel like has a, a direct earth counterpart, you know, like, Oh, that is the Pandora version of whales or like, Oh, that's a Pandora version of a tiger or whatever. Like, I feel like they're sure. not creating new creatures. Like even the Navi is like the humanoids of this planet. Like I wish they created more new things instead of me being like, Oh, this is just kind of like a souped up version of earth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and I could go into more and more specifics, but I think in my main get takeaway from this movie is this had me on the edge of my seat. I enjoyed the story. It had me um, it made me feel and I loved that about it. I think I was more successful in that way than the first movie. And I don't want to not to compare Avatar to Marvel again, but I feel like it is a good benchmark to use since marvel is like probably the biggest action franchise of the last i don't know decade i almost want to say but yeah i feel like a problem with a lot of the newer or more recent marvel movies is i watch them and i don't feel a lot while watching it like it's like some parts are cool some parts are funny but they don't have me feeling suspense, feeling sad. Like they, they, I felt a range of emotions in this movie that I haven't gotten from a lot of other big Hollywood blockbusters in a long time. And that yep. was my favorite part of the whole experience, you know? Yeah. I'm with you there on the feels. They, they did look, the movie is really, really, really good. And I, yeah, the, I just, everyone should go see it. It really is a good movie. Um, <laughs> My little quibbles, my quibbles are primarily focused on the fact that we have more coming and we don't know enough. And I just yep. was like, that was odd that they left that hanging. Oh, that was odd that they left that hanging. Um, you're not liking the 20 minutes or thinking that was kind of like old. I'm really glad they did that. I really thought Fair it enough. helped the transition really well. And I enjoyed seeing uh, all the jungle forest stuff again because it helped. One, it helped with the transition. It helped you 
it's the it was the where are my friends? What have they been up to? Um, stuff as opposed to going right to the water and all that stuff. So <laughs> I, uh, I I liked that too. I just think I think I felt it lingered on that moment a little bit yeah. too long, like right. just long enough for me to notice it. But the other thing, last thing I'll say is uh, the other thing that I think the movie did really good is it made me want to be part of that world. And I, as much as I liked the first one, I don't know if I was like watching it and being like, man, I wish I could go there so bad. But watching this one, so many of the parts had so many of the things the characters did when it came to a lot of the water stuff, when it came to like riding their sort of like water mount creatures and stuff. There's so many parts where I was like, I want to do that. And that's something that I didn't quite get as much out of the first movie. So I think this just was really successful in that sort of cool sci-fi movie you watch but also that you want to keep thinking about and living vicariously through which was yeah. which was great really you know and all the action sequences were awesome like absolutely they were, they were the fight all scenes really were great like, fight yeah scenes were great the action sequences were great they were tense they were just you you were surprised through a lot of it it's just it, like look it's a really good movie <laughs> I want I want to go. I bet somebody's done it already, but I want to know the kill count for that movie because there is so many people that die. And like we live in a very pop culture in 2022 is a very politically correct place. And I feel like every other movie shies away from gratuitous killing and stuff like that. And that was something that I thought was kind of really cool, too. I was like, well, this feels like a real action movie because there's a lot of side characters that are actually being killed off. And like, I don't, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but it's kind of takes me back to the eighties and the nineties where <laughs> action movies were brutal and really fun in that action way. So movies were that. action movies, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking of action movies, um, the trailer for John wick four was in front of avatar for me. Um, oh, I didn't see that. And uh, <laughs> nice. it was and it looks great. But it, I realized I never saw John Wick three and I was instantly like, where's John Wick streaming so I can get caught up before the fourth movie comes out. And none of them are streaming anywhere. And I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> but whatever. Um, Check out. Um, I think the first one's on Tubi, actually. <laughs> I feel like I'm always uh, plugging Tubi. But I swear I just watched the first one like a month or two ago on Interesting. Tuesday. I just never so. saw the third. I just never saw the third <laughs> one. So like I want to watch it before I watch four. And the trailer for four looks great. And then the other thing we got in front of Avatar um, was I got a ten minute behind the scenes featurette of Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning um, and some of the practical stunt work they're going to be doing with that. So they showed off a stunt and how they did it and like. The whole like it was like a behind the scenes feature out of how they were going to do one of the big stunts from the movie. Um, and that was real interesting to watch on an IMAX screen because of just like the heights. So if you had a like I honestly like I don't have a problem with heights, but the way the camera pulled in this sequence when they showed this, like how high up they were, like I felt my knees tense, like, <laughs> you know, and that's just probably the size of the screen and all that stuff. So good thing, you know. So, yeah. Really <laughs> well, good. I. I got a lot of trailers that I've already seen and we've already talked about on the show. <laughs> so I don't All right. have anything cool like that to talk about. All right. Well, let's jump into the news because we went a little longer than I thought we were going to on Avatar. But seriously, really good movie. Check it out. Absolutely. Um, all right. So let's talk about the news. I got a couple quick ones. We'll do the quick ones first. Um, all right. So here is the actual box office 
um, fisticuffs match that's about to happen this coming July. Uh, July 21st, 2023, Barbie will be going up against Oppenheimer. They both released the same weekend. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> if you couldn't pick two polar opposite movies to release in the theater, like, I honestly feel like the Barbie movie is going to, like, come out the winner, to be completely honest. Um, and that's sad because I think Oppenheimer will be clearly the more far superior movie. Uh, <laughs> that happens all the time, though. A lot of times the movie that parents bring their kids to see is the one that will win out. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. But, yeah, you're probably right. Barbie's going to be the winner. <laughs> um all right, Sony confirms a fourth live-action fan uh, Spider-Man movie is happening. Okay. Um, this is something I think we all knew, but this is actual confirmation from Sony that, yes, it is happening. So Sweet. So that's nice, and it's and it will be Tom Holland from what I was reading. So um, we just, we're still, we've been always waiting for things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Indiana Jones 5 will explain what happened to Shia LaBeouf's character. Um, I, I think that's oh, great, um, because, uh, he won't be in the movie, but they will explain what happened to the character. So, um, he's probably a motorcycle mechanic somewhere. Um, cause that's what would end up happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, next news, Deadpool three will include time travel. Um, Hugh Jackman confirmed in an interview with Sirius XM that Wolverine will be using time travel to appear in Deadpool three, which will keep the timeline from Logan intact. Um, I'm down. That's cool. Um, Hugh Jackman, unless they got to do a lot of CG to like de-age him and stuff like that probably is, uh, costly. So that makes sense to me, you know, (laughs) Deadpool is because of the fourth wall breaking aspect of that character. Deadpool movies, I feel like are the one movie that could always get a pass if they do break the timeline, because all you need is that, you know, quick witty line of like we understand this timeline doesn't make sense but that's lazy writing for you or something and yeah they can get away with literal murder movies. so yeah uh but yeah. that's a pretty interesting story all right um star wars slate for 2023 uh they got an actual lineup in terms of the order that things are going to be dropped uh which is kind of cool so we're going to kick off 2023 with the bad batch season two um, it's actually, I think it's like a 19 episode season. So it's a nice long season for us. Nice. Uh, followed by the Mandalorian season three, um, star Wars skeleton crew, which is another one of the live action ones. Um, young Jedi adventures, um, followed by the Ahsoka series and then star Wars visions volume two. Um, so that'll round out. That's a lot of star Wars for next year. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Nice. It's awesome. It's just that's a yeah. lot more Star Wars than I thought we were getting in one year. Um, all right. We got James Cameron is discussing a Terminator reboot. He in an interview with IGN, James Cameron confirmed that discussions are taking place to reboot the Terminator franchise. Um, he said that it'll shift the focus to artificial intelligence instead of bad robots. I find that statement kind of interesting because I thought the whole point of Terminator was about artificial intelligence right. turned on the humans, which could maybe that's if they do a full reboot, like pretend nothing, none of the Terminator movies happen and just straight re, like do a hard reboot on this franchise. Maybe they focus a little bit more on that. And then the fear of them turning bad is the 
issue there because I don't see Cameron not making an evil Terminator. So, yeah, I kind of take it as like, you know, Terminator, the first one came out in the 80s. And now, you know, we have social media and smartphones and just technology has advanced so much more. And so I'm just taking it as like he's probably going to take those technological technological advancements into mind as he creates this new reboot of the series you know i think there's still gonna be you know there's still gonna be uh evil robots <laughs> around and stuff we're still gonna get some oh, awesome yeah. Term- terminator action and stuff that's just kind of what i'm taking from it is just knowing what we know now how would i approach this differently you know agreed and if um and if james cameron's behind it i think it's gonna have a nice it's gonna have a good backing it's going to have the right creator in the right place kind of situation which will be awesome mm-hmm. so uh sometimes that's what we want like i got like when they started doing the uh when aliens was coming back and they announced that ridley scott was doing it i'm like sweet that's what we want you know yeah. ridley scott back on the chair uh the i think alien covenant might have been the better movie because it was a little bit more in line with what we expected for aliens but there was supposed to, we still have that alien franchise coming, so let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, movie studios can now be sued for deceptive or misleading trailers. This really caught me off guard because every now and then you'll see a trailer. I heard about this. Rogue One is a real good example because there's a couple scenes in the Rogue One trailer, Star Wars Rogue One, that uh, that does not have that does not appear in the movie. They went back, did some reshoots. So the trailer dropped, and then they went did some reshoots and changed some stuff around and then released the movie. And so in 2019, Ana de Armas appeared in trailers for a movie titled Yesterday. But ultimately, she was cut out of the final. She was removed from the final cut of the film. Um, on Tuesday, U.S. Direct District Judge Stephen Wilson ruled against Universal, saying that this was false advertising and will set a new precedent for future trailers. That's nuts, man. Yes. Like, that really is. Like, that makes me concerned. We're going to be, we're not going to be seeing trailers um, until much closer to the film's release. And that makes me concerned that uh, movies will be giving us very light trailers with not a lot of substance. So you're not Mm going to get much of it. You're going to see, like, you know, here's the title screen and just know that it's coming, (laughs) you know. Yeah, so. it takes so much out of the um, the final editing process for the movie. Um, there's probably not as many changes that can be made in the editing room. I think it's my big disappointment with it is a movie can never it's almost like a movie can never release a misleading trailer in a lot of ways. Like, I think yeah. it's it would be kind of cool to see a trailer for a movie and it the trailer points you in the wrong direction as far as how the plot's going to play out and then you go and see the movie and it's actually completely different and maybe deleted scenes or yeah stuff like that could actually play into that aspect of it i think um i did hear about the story about the uh ana de armas um aspect of this but i kind of just feel like i don't know it's just crazy to me because to me part of part of what's fun about going to the movies is not knowing what you're getting yourself into sometimes or picking a movie that you don't know a lot about and just letting the movie take you for a ride. And to me, it's just kind of like, 
I don't know. I feel like you're kind of being a sore sport if you're that mad just because a certain actor doesn't show up in a film. And uh, I don't know. It's that sort of I guess I like the idea of the sort of buyer's remorse game of roulette you're playing when you go to the movies. Sometimes you're not going to like it. Sometimes you are. But that's part of the fun and adventure of it all. You know, that's that's how I look at it. So, yeah. All right. So we got to talk some DC news. Right. There's going to be <laughs> there's going to be some stuff. This is DC is going to be making big time news real fast. And it's going to be a lot. So everyone's strapped yep. in. We've been talking about this for the past couple weeks. So it's nothing new, but it's going to be a lot. And it's going to be quick. And we're going to do our best to break things down for everybody. And we're going to do our best to kind of weed through the situation okay um the rock says black adam will not be involved in the in dcu's first storytelling chapter those specific words are very important so i'm gonna read this uh thing here uh james gunn tweeted uh the rock posted a statement which i'm gonna read here in a second but james gunn tweeted I love The Rock. I'm always excited to see what he and Seven Bucks will do next. Can't wait to collaborate soon. Right? Mm -hmm. So here's The Rock's statement. My passionate friends, I wanted to give you a life... Sorry. I wanted to give you a long-awaited Black Adam update regarding the character's future in the new DC universe. James Gunn and I connected, and Black Adam will not be in their first chapter of storytelling. However... DC and seven bucks have agreed to continue exploring the most valuable ways black Adam can be utilized in future DC universe chapters. James and I have known each other uh, for years and have always rooted for each other to succeed. It's no different now and will always, and I will always root for DC and Marvel to win and win big. You guys know me. I have a very thick skin and you can always count on me to direct to be direct with my words these decisions made by James and DC leader, leadership represent their vision of DCU through their creative lens. After 15 years of relentless hard work to finally make Black Adam, I'm very proud of the film we delivered. The fans worldwide, I'll always look back at the fan reaction to Black Adam. With tremendous gratitude, humility, and love, we did great. To my passionate and vocal Black Adam superhero genre fans, uh, I love you, thank you, and I will always listen to you. I'll do my best to deliver and entertain you. What a hell of a month. Now we need some uh, Terramania. Have a proud week and happy holidays to you and your families, Dwayne Johnson. All right. The important line is will not Black Adam will not be in their first chapter of storytelling. That does not mean the rock is out. So everyone relax. <laughs> um hmm. The, I looked at that as thinking about, I, I kind of likened that line in the statement to uh, Marvel's phase one. Okay, Black Adam's not in phase one. It's not in DC's first chapter. But let's say we have like two or three movies and then we have a team up movie and then we move into phase two or chapter two, whatever they're, whatever James Gunn is building. He hasn't laid anything out yet. So it's really important to realize that does not mean Black Adam's out or Rock is out. It just says they're not a part of the first chapter. They got they got groundwork to lay right now. So 
let them do their job, basically, is what I'm trying to say with that one. Thoughts before I continue? So, just like when we talked about Superman last week, about Henry Cavill being out, yep. I, I haven't really come to terms with the statement from Dwayne Johnson, and I don't really... I don't really know how to feel about this. Um, my only gripe with like the hope that uh, black or the rocks version of black Adams going to come into this new DCU phase two or phase three, so to speak. I James or James Gunn already confirmed that Henry Cavill will not be their Superman. And at the end of Black Adam, that was the post credit scene. Like, Henry Cavill came back for it. And uh, yeah. it just makes me, like, it. It if we're having a new cohesive universe, it makes me feel, just from that simple fact, it makes me feel that we're not going to get The Rock as Black Adam. Like, maybe we'll get a different version of Black Adam later on. But if you're going to bring The Rock into it later, why wouldn't you bring in Henry Cavill as well? And... The silver lining to all this is like we are going to get a new cohesive DC cinematic universe, which DC has needed for a long time. But man, like some of this stuff is really starting to sting. And it's something that, like I said, I don't know if I've come to terms with it, but the more time goes, it it starts to sting more and more. And uh, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on James Gunn, like. He's really he's really like kind of pissing a lot of people off, for lack of a better term. And he really needs to deliver because if he does not give like the best possible versions of these characters, people are going to be like really disappointed. So it's a really weird situation. And this is a case I kind of feel like this is a case where I wish some of this behind the scenes stuff was behind the scenes like I kind of wish we didn't have to hear every new development because it's actually I think it's making me more disappointed about it as opposed to if we got a teaser for a new Superman movie in like two years or so I'd be so excited and I wouldn't have to know about all this backstage drama going on if that makes sense so that's I guess that's kind of where I'm at with it yeah I am with you at that and you're, you stating that is great for the segue of this next statement. Because, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> because James Gunn does not need to be talking to the fans who are being loud and obnoxious and name-calling and screaming and being negative. He doesn't have to respond to this at all. And, and, and to be fair, I'm not trying to be like that. No. I'm just trying to say it kind of how it is like this I, this is I, the situation we're in you know so i know you're not and i know that there's a lot of us out there who are concerned but we also have to go this is that thing where james gunn got hired to do a job and we haven't seen any output yet yeah and there's scre- people are just screaming at him and you're just like dude you haven't seen anything yet you gotta yeah but you gotta see what happens like you may not like the decisions that have been made thus far but we don't know what it all means yet. So we got to be a little patient. This is that thing where um, you, you you watch the Star Wars prequels and you laugh at Anakin saying, I say patience and you got to be patient and Yoda telling him to be patient and all that stuff. Kind of got to take a page from the Jedi here and got to be a little patient. Uh, what's what's also crazy about this and that I, I know you're saying more, but just to like point out, we've had years of so much 
flack given to Henry Cavill and Snyder and Batfleck and like people hating on the Snyder universe. And it got so much hate and it drove me crazy as a fan of that. And I did not expect the Internet to all of a sudden become so (laughs) loyal to Snyder's DC. Like, it's so weird. No, it's it's everybody's like coming out and like super loyal to Henry Cavill and like. Uh, yeah, the Snyder yeah, cut of the I Justice know. League. And it, I didn't expect it. Yeah. Now that James Gunn is taking over, people are really, really loyal to this. And it's like it's another kind of weird silver lining. But it's just kind of like, where was this attitude before? Yeah. You know, when we had to listen to everybody complain about that was the, that's the thing. It's like the, now they're just now that James Gunn's going in, dismantling, cleaning house, all this stuff, setting up for a whole new thing. And everyone's screaming. And you're just like, <laughs> where were you when we were on the other side of the coin? And, yeah. And, and needed the support. So. All right. Well, listen to James Gunn's statement, because this this is great. He did not have to do this. But this makes me go, I love this, right? Okay. James Gunn put uh, on his Instagram, he posted, one of the things Peter and I were aware of when we took the job as heads of DC Studios was a certain minority of people online that could be, well, uproarious and unkind, to say the least. Our choices for the DCU are based upon what we believe is the best for the story and best for the characters who have been around for nearly 85 years. Perhaps these choices are great, perhaps not but they're made with sincere hearts and integrity and always with story in mind. No one loves to be harassed or called names, but to be frank, we've been through significantly worse. Disrespectful outcry will never ever affect our actions. We were aware there will be a period of turbulence when we took this gig, and we knew we would sometimes have to make difficult and not so obvious choices, especially in the wake of of the fictitious nature of what came before us. But this means little to us in comparison to our jobs as artists and custodians and helping to create a wide and wonderful future for D.C. I love this statement because at the end of the day, I get to say, hey, Internet, relax and let the man do his job. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I just I think it's so great that he did it. He didn't have to. But here's the thing. I have faith in James Gunn. Because I like a lot, like, I don't like everything James Gunn's done, yeah. but I like a lot of it. And I think he's a good filmmaker. I think he's a good storyteller. Uh, Peter Safran, I don't know as well. But at the end of the day, these are guys that like the like what they're working on. And you want guy, you want people going in there liking what they're doing. You don't need, you don't need a, a committee telling them what they need to put in there, how to be PC, how to do this, how to do that. We need to get focus groups to test this, test that. No, no, you need DC wanted a Kevin Feige type. So they hired James Gunn because they felt he was a good Kevin Feige type. Yeah. You know, let the guy do what he's got to do. I just, and I understand that. And like I said, I'm trying to keep a positive Mm -hmm. attitude. Like we're going to get, a new cohesive version of this universe. We're going to get a lot of awesome things. Like as we're talking about this in my head, I'm just saying Batmite over and over again, because we're going to get, I guarantee we're going to get a live action Batmite at one point. We're going to (laughs) get, it's almost confirmed that we're going to get a live action Lobo. We're probably going to get a live action Parasite. I wouldn't be surprised. Like James Gunn is a guy who likes the quirky, obscure characters that, as but comic book also, fans, we all love. I think short of Batmite, because Batmite we can laugh at a little bit, but short of that character, you're naming stuff that we've dreamed about. Absolutely. 
right? Um, so yeah. We might have the right guy in the chair is my point. So let's let him work. You know? I, well, well, I think it's, you know, there's you have to break a few eggs to make a cake cake or whatever that saying is. Like, I think we're in the egg breaking portion of the. Oh, fair enough. Well, you have to do it to make a cake, too. <laughs> we're in that we're in that we're in that portion of the omelet cake baking process. But when you go to a restaurant, omelet. you don't. <laughs> when you go to a restaurant, you don't see the eggs being broken. You're just delivered your breakfast. And that's kind of what I wish was more of what was going on. I wish we didn't have to hear every detail of this process because it's putting people in a bad mood before they have a chance to show us any of the final results. Like, I kind of feel like deliver your final results. Don't piss everybody off in the meantime. And we're going to be a lot more receptive to it later on. So that's kind of. I'm not against James James Gunn's DC at this point. I just want a little bit less behind the curtain peeking so I can be more excited than disappointed about it. Sure. Well, he said we're going to get the first glimpse of what the plan is. They're going to announce the first couple projects at the beginning early January. So we're going to have a little bit of an idea of what the plan is. So <laughs> it's going to be another it's going to be another announcement that's going to piss everybody off. Probably. <laughs> I'm just Maybe. laughing because I, I, I guess my main thing is I'm saying, like, give us more time, like, let this breathe. Don't tell us everything right away. And then it's like, well, the end of the next month, we'll have another <laughs> another update well, for you. So. He's not. He said he's not giving us. He said he's going to announce the first couple projects. So we're going to okay, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Like maybe the first two, maybe three movies out the gate for what they're working on. And you're going to go, all right, cool. We got mm-hmm. this is coming is all that all we're going to be able to do is say, oh, cool. We have new this and new that. You know? That's that's the kinds of announcements that I think are going to be exciting. Yeah. And that's and I'm excited for those announcements, too. So. All right. One final news story. Then we can talk about tonight's list. And this is my favorite news story of all of it. Um, James Cameron has been in the news a lot recently because of Avatar. Mm-hmm. So. James Cameron commissioned a scientific study to settle the lifelong debate running over whether Jack could have joined Rose on her makeshift raft in Titanic. <laughs> um, so, director James Cameron <laughs> said to an interview with Toronto Sun that a scientific study he commissioned for an upcoming special in February showed that two people could not remain on top of the floating door turned makeshift raft that Rose, Kate Winslet, used to survive the boat wreck in the 1997 film. We have done a scientific study to put this whole thing to rest and drive a stake through its heart once and for all. We have since done a thorough forensic analysis with a with hypothermia expert who reproduced the raft from the movie. Uh, We took two stunt people who were the same body mass of Kate and Leo and put sensors all over them and inside (laughs) them. And we put them in ice water and tested to see whether they could have survived through a variety of methods. And the answer was there is no way they both could have survived. (laughs) That's that's Um, only one could have. And I think it's so funny that James Cameron felt he had to do this, but it makes me laugh and so happy that he did. You know? Uh, Yeah. It just, I was like, it's so funny that you felt you'd had to do this. It's so funny that you did do this. And I think it's kind of charming that you're like, you know what? For fun, let's do this. So I could stop having people to ask me about it at cocktail parties. (laughs) Well, I had to laugh because it's one of those things where it's like, 
every time Bruce Willis releases a new movie, people ask him if he thinks Die Hard's a Christmas movie or not. And I right. feel like this is the question that everybody asks uh, James Cameron every time he releases a new movie. But I remember, uh, I also had to laugh because I remember hearing a few years ago that when they shot Titanic, they actually spent a lot of time finding a door or makeshift raft that would only support support one person. Like that was always a plan. Jack was going to die. They needed to find a raft that would only support uh, Rose and uh, Jack was going to die. And as when I heard that, like two people would not be able to float on this door. I just let it go. You know, <laughs> like, you didn't have to do a scientific study like that was good enough for me. I kind of feel like this is old news <laughs> in a little bit of ways. Like, I don't know if you have to do the hypothermia tests and all that, but I guess yeah, if you, you get, do. <laughs> if you get pissed off enough of hearing the same question over and over again, I don't blame him for trying to put it to bed for good. <laughs> Well, I just thought I it's just great that, that it happened is really all I can say to it, you know, so <laughs> fair enough. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about tonight's list, shall we? Sweet. It's Christmas. It's time to talk something Christmas related a little bit more than our normal news stuff. So, Peter, let's roll the thing. And now for the top five. So, Pete, Merry Christmas. Uh, we got to do a Christmas-themed something. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about our top five favorite Christmas characters. Uh, yep. I found this interesting to put together. Uh, I realized I didn't watch as many Christmas movies this year as I normally do. Um, Christmas characters, to me, make me think of more of the fictitious stuff. Partially because like so one of my favorite Christmas things to watch every year, me and the kids sit down and watch it every year is the Muppet Family Christmas. It was the Christmas special that took place that aired in the 80s. I was able to find it on uh, DVD. I know it's on YouTube. So if you want to watch it, it's there. Uh, the what's interesting about it is I wanted to I, I always watch this every year and I'd like to say, oh, hey, Kermit's one of my favorite Christmas characters. Nope, he's not a Christmas character. He's a Muppet. Just happens to be in a Christmas <laughs> special. So every time I like there's a lot of these I put down and I was like, nope, not a Christmas character. Not. It's almost I, like when you have arguments over what a Christmas movie is and what's not. Yes. I had a lot of like, nope, not a Christmas character. <laughs> so I was definitely not as strict with my list. But like any list, I think there are loopholes. And if you wanted to choose the Muppets Christmas Carol version of Bob Cratchit played by Kermit the Frog, I think that might be a loophole, even though the version that you prefer of Kermit is him in the Muppets Christmas special. <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Um, to me, Kermit's Kermit. I just was like, I, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Because this is kind of like one of our padded lists that we do. What do you want to do? What do you think? Thoughts? I, it's up to you. I don't care. <laughs> what do you got for honorable mentions? I got two. Okay. I only have one, I think. Then I guess I'll, yeah. I'll go first. To... Yeah, go ahead and start it off. Okay. So the first one that I went with is uh, the Holiday Armadillo from Friends. <laughs> 
Um, this is the character that Ross makes up because he is watching his son, Ben, over uh, the Christmas holiday. And originally, Ross was only going to celebrate Hanukkah with Ben. And Ben got really upset about a year without Santa Claus. And so Ross kind of had to... His, his initial plan was, I'm going to go rent a Santa suit. But he, trying to rent a Santa suit on Christmas Eve or whatever just wasn't going to happen so he shows up <laughs> he greets ben in the form of this ridiculous armadillo suit and he's the holiday armadillo and uh this is also the one where uh chandler walks in dressed as santa and like ross it's, has one of, kind it's of... <laughs> literally one of my favorite lines ever in well Friday. go ahead go ahead <laughs> my, my chandler it's the because Ross is trying to teach his kid about Hanukkah. And when yes. Santa's there, his kid doesn't care about Hanukkah. So Ross is like, Chandler's like, I guess I should go then because I don't want to, like, ruin this for Ross. Yeah, yeah. So Chandler dresses Santa's like, I guess I'll go. I'll see you later. And he's like, why do you have to go? Why can't the armadillo leave? <laughs> Chandler, Chandler, it's the best line ever. It really is. And he says, um, if Santa and the holiday armadillo are in the same room for too long. The universe will implode. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, it's so uh, great. It makes me laugh every single time. And it's so great the way he says Merry Christmas after it is wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, good, then, call, good call on holiday armadillo because I didn't <laughs> even think of this as a character. So. And then to bring it back to DC, Joey pops in at the end dressed as Superman. So that's yeah, another yeah. great touch. But um, yeah, what what do you got for your for your honorable mention? Um, I'm gonna go with um, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go with two because uh, it just it just makes sense because I was really toying with this one being a Christmas character, but it kind of is, and that's Jack Skellington. Uh, oh, I didn't think of this one, but good call. Yeah, I was really like, is he does he work? So he kind of fits as an honorable mention for me because I really didn't know how he fit on the list. Mm -hmm. um, he's essentially a Halloween character, but because of the nature of the movie, it makes him a Christmas character, if you will. And he's it's such a fun one because in a really weird way, Jack Skellington is the. He wants to do Christmas, right? Yeah. So Jack Skellington wants to do Christmas. And he tries to take it for himself. So in a really weird way, he sort of becomes the Grinch, but he also yep. learns the error of his ways and then ends up helping in the end. So it's it's almost this really weird, I'm going to be the Grinch story, mm -hmm. but he's not the bad guy to begin with. He becomes the bad guy by default. Um, yeah, so I don't know. He's just, it's just, look, cool character design, cool character altogether, uh, cool concept and everything. It's just, yeah, so. I think he's I understand what you mean where he's on the line, but I think he definitely counts because he does steal Christmas and dress up like Santa Claus. And you have that Im that imagery out there. So uh, really good call. One of my favorite movies. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right. So what's your second honorable mention? <laughs> so my next one is kind of uh, kind of along the lines of the holiday armadillo, where it's just a weird fictitious character from a Christmas thing. But I actually went with uh, Turbo Man from uh, Jingle All the Way. And uh, <laughs> Turbo Man is the yeah. Power Rangers-esque superhero that Arnold Schwarzenegger's son is obsessed with in this movie. Um, he is the character who um, Arnold gets a costume of and has a cr crazy, like, 
superhero sort of showdown at the end of the film. And uh, I don't know. I think Jingle All the Way is a movie that came out. And when it first came out, I kind of thought the movie looked kind of silly and cheesy. I think I was a little bit too old for it. But over the years, like I kind of just gave it a chance at some point. And I really love this movie. I think it's a really silly but really fun Christmas movie. I love these sort of, um, you know, the the sort of like vague like superhero uh, Easter eggs and stuff that are in the film are really cool, too. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought this was just a kind of out there but fun pick to go with. Right on. Um, all right. So my last one, and I feel like it's controversial because we said favorite Christmas characters, but I feel like it it's perfect. So it's an honorable mention, unfortunately, because it's perfect for the list, but it's it's going to like raise some eyebrows. And that's Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it's why we're here anyway, right? <laughs> No, I mean, there's no arguing against this one. It's just I wasn't expecting that. So right, and I don't really go. have anything to add to it. Just Christmas character. Like, it's why we're here. That's awesome. Well, I guess since... Whether since you want to say he's real or fictional, it doesn't really matter. It's <laughs> Since he's you know? since he's uh, neither of our number ones, I guess we're both going to hell. So. Yeah, I know, right? I know. Um, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I guess I can jump into my list if you want. Yeah, go ahead. I do wonder, I have a feeling we're going to match at least once, but I am curious how many times we'll match. So. I don't know, though. Like, I, I really don't know because there's so many Christmas characters out there. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find out. So, for my first pick, um, I really love A Christmas Carol. I think it's one of the coolest. Um, I think it's a great just story, but I think it's one of my favorite just Christmas stories. Like, the whole, uh, especially the concepts of the ghosts of... Uh, the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future like that always captured my imagination. Um, so and obviously the coolest one is the ghost of Christmas future. I mean, come on. Um, but I actually decided to go with a specific version. I could just go with, in general, the ghost of Christmas future because, um, you know, that's a literal it's a literary piece of fiction. I could just pick that and go from there. But I actually went a little bit more specific. I actually went with the ghost of Christmas future from uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol. And uh, I think it's just aesthetically, I always thought that was a really cool looking ghost. And I think it's very creepy looking and dark, but it also has a really unique silhouette. Like it's almost, if you look at that ghost, he's almost as wide as he is tall and he has a really unique shape, which is a little bit is pretty unique for this character because usually you just have that Grim Reaper esque silhouette, but this one I always felt like had a unique uh, shape to him. He was very mysterious um, and just kind of like his design also does have that sort of Muppets whimsicalness of it, but it's still really creepy at the same time. So Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this pick, but uh, yeah, that's my first you know, one. I don't remember that one specifically from the Muppets Christmas Carol. And I only say that because as soon as you said Ghosts of Christmas Future, I automatically thought of the one from Scrooged. Yep. That's another and great one. That's almost like the, de- that's almost like the design that I think is like, like it's so good that like, it's so creepy and everything, but it's so good. Uh, so when I like not Scrooge, but Scrooged, the Bill yeah. Murray movie, that's, um, 
that's like the design I always like the most for that specific one. But that one, I mean, he's really interesting design wise, too, because he's got like essentially like a TV screen where his head should be. And then uh, in that one, like I remember the part where he like opens his robe and you see like his skeletal ribs. But there's like these little like demon looking puppets on them. <laughs> Yeah, like just clinging there. And that always was like a really funny, but also really creepy when you think about it uh, visual. So, yeah, Scrooge was to be honest, it was between the Muppets one and Scrooge for which one I was going to go with. But the Muppets one is really memorable to me um, for different reasons than Scrooge. But I think it's also because it's kind of a little bit more in line with the classic iteration of that character. So that's kind of why I went with it. Sure. I get it. Well, since we're on the ghost story, um, since we're on the ghosts of stuff, mine is the ghost of Christmas past from the movie Scrooged. Um, nice. <laughs> that's that's the cab driver. OK, um, yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool. Uh, I think cool that was Buster T- Poindexter. Right? It was Buster Poindexter, but it's a really cool concept because, like, he's got to take him to the past and stuff. So they get into the, the, he gets into this cab. And he's taking him through all these sequences until he, like, has to leave him for the other ghosts and stuff. But uh, just a really cool concept, really cool character in general. Um, he had a lot of great one-liners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> I like at the end, um, I can't remember who asks him to take them to a, like, taps in a cab and's like, take me to this building. And then, he, you know, that ghost turns around and he's, what floor? <laughs> like, yeah. I love that part. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. I'll agree with you when it comes to Ghost of Christmas Past. This probably is my favorite version of that character, although the version in Muppets Christmas Carol is also very cool and creepy. So <laughs> Muppets Christmas Carol is one of my favorite versions of that story, if you can't right, tell. So uh, Christmas Past is the uh, the fairy one, right? Yep. Up and in- she looks she looks very doll like. Um, yeah. And she, she she looks like a real person but obviously a puppet and there's this sort of uncanny valley creepiness to it and uh you can tell all of her sequences were filmed underwater by the way her her dress flows or whatever and they like kind of superimposed it into the movie and that one i think is kind of a beautiful piece of just artistry when it comes to character design so sure yeah yeah all right what is your next one for the night yeah, so my next one, um, speaking of Jack Skellington, I actually went with uh, The Grinch. Um, I've always loved The Grinch, one of my favorite characters. Uh, Drew, our family, like holds this story like really near and dear when it comes to celebrating uh, Christmas. Like It's one of those things where it's not Christmas Eve if my dad doesn't read everybody The Grinch. Um, and, you know, I like The Grinch live-action movie a little bit for what it is, but... When it comes down to it, I really prefer the original book and or the Chuck Jones animated, animated film movie. is yes. amazing. Yeah, it's, so it's it's far superior to that Jim Carrey garbage. Ab- absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's I would go with either the original book or the uh, the animated. Movie let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. So. Let me rephrase. It's not 100 percent Jim Carrey's fault. Ron Howard directed that movie. So <laughs> just saying. Yeah, and I think it's I'm not the biggest fan of the movie either, but I think there's there's redeeming parts like Jim Carrey's performance is amazing. And uh, 
the design work and the especially the prosthetics like the Grinch like prosthetic prosthetics that Jim Carrey was make wearing and the makeup is absolutely beautiful I think it's one of the best pieces of like special effects makeup I've probably ever seen but uh I think the movie is just has way too much filler to the point where it kind of becomes really boring for most of it <laughs> so uh I'm in agreement with you on that aspect yeah it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that long of a movie and they shouldn't have filled in all the childhood stuff like no no no, no. just tell the story man just do the book yeah. um this is one that I this is the one I actually thought we were going to match on nice uh, because and we did uh, and I was going to save it to the end just because you, and, oh, I my bad. Like, and I was only saving it to the end because that's that touching thing. Like, you know, when you talk about Christmas, there's a lot of family traditions and growing up Christmas Eve, our dad would read the Grinch. That was the thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my kid doesn't sit for books as like he used to, but I was doing that for him too. Like I, you know, when he was younger, I would read this to him every year kind of thing. So I hope yeah. he has, I hope he appreciates it the way I do, but you know, there's just that stuff that gets passed on. Um, I'm with you. The animated one is so far, far superior. The uh, uh, the the book itself. Yes, obviously, that's also far superior than. But it's just this is one that holds a near like it holds that it has a special place in my heart for this story, this character, all that stuff. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, now Kevin. now you're making me think I should have saved it for last. Well, so. <laughs> the only reason I was going to save it for last is because of the family connection. But. We did match on this one. So, um, yeah, let's see what, you know, we got going on, man. So what's your next one for the night? Yeah, so my next one, um, I went with um, probably the first character you think of when you think of uh, Christmas characters. <laughs> I went with uh, Santa Claus. <laughs> so uh, this is a pop culture show, though. So I wanted to go with a specific version of Santa Claus. And uh, I actually went with a pretty recent version, but uh, I went with. Kurt Russell's version of this character from uh, the Christmas Chronicles on Netflix. And uh, pretty much the reason I did this is because this is Kurt Russell. You know, this is Snake Plitzkin. This is a badass Santa Claus. And I feel like because of when Christmas Chronicles came out, like superheroes are the biggest thing at the box office. So I think this movie has a lot of superhero elements to the way that, uh, santa's tech and all that works and i really appreciate those elements as well and it's one of those things where there's so many great versions of santa you can't really go wrong with different versions but i did appreciate the uniqueness of this one and some of those cool superhero elements to it i think christmas chronicles is one of the better newer christmas movies that have came out and um oh the other <laughs> well never mind uh that's pretty much all i've got so <laughs> I don't know if you have uh, any thoughts on this one. Well, we match on Santa, too. Uh, okay. I'm assuming general, you went I mean, with a different version, right? I mean, again, I mean, again, why we're here. Um, when you when someone says Christmas, it's probably one of the first characters you think of, right? Yep. Is Santa. Um, when you think about all the folklore and when you think of like folklore, Santa, I feel, is probably one of the most powerful uh, superhero characters there are in uh, folklore and everything when it comes to uh you know, the fictional part and being characters. When you look at like the Tim Allen movies and like Santa's the mm -hmm. one, it's like they meet at, you know, Mother Earth, the Easter Bunny, you know, the Tooth Fairy, all that stuff. They meet at Santa's workshop because he's the most powerful, you know. Um, so I don't know. 
my the version I like is the one from Home Alone. The uh <laughs> <laughs> the one that gives him the tic tacs guy yeah, gives him the tic tacs yeah. and says don't spoil your dinner um no i'm yeah kidding. i'm not, i'm completely kidding i don't know if i have a specific nail it down santa that i hear you i hear you have to like mention uh the home alone thing was clearly just a joke because when you said as soon as you said kurt russell I'm like what's a good one that i can make a joke yeah um um i think when you think about santa claus and you look at like what they did with the tim allen movies especially the first one they yeah. really, really, they do. They did a really nice job of touching on a subject that is like incredibly. It's unfortunately that's a very sensitive subject to t- touch, and for reasons I don't want to say out loud because I don't know how long young all my listeners are. <laughs> so well, I think you know. one of the things about the Santa Claus because that's actually probably was probably my second choice was to go with the Tim Allen version because I just. I loved that movie so much growing up, but I think it's almost like they they sat down and said, here are all the arguments against uh, Santa being real or something. And then they thought of like every way that those questions would be answered, you know, like how does he fit down some really small chimneys? It's like, well, he has magic that makes the chimney, um, you know, shapeshift so he can fit down it. And like, well, how can Santa live forever? And it's like, well, actually, he doesn't live forever. You know, there's many different Santa Clauses and you could become Santa Claus too. If you know, you found yourself in the right circumstances and they have, they had an answer for everything, which was awesome. Um, and I feel like a lot of other film versions of Santa don't necessarily have those questions answered. And I think that really helped with making that movie kind of stand the test of time in a lot of ways. Yeah, very much so. Um, but yeah, they covered everything. They answered everything. So yeah. All right, man. What do you got for your next one? (laughs) So I just went with Santa. So I decided I would go on the other side of the coin and I went with, uh, Krampus. Krampus. (laughs) Yes. Uh, this is, I mean, obviously when it comes to the folklore and stuff around Krampus, I think it's a really, really cool thing that, uh, I think feel like in America, most of us were just oblivious to for a long time because I guess it's just because our culture focuses more on the positive stuff. And we never knew that, like, you know, if you're nice, Santa will give you presents. But if you're naughty, you're going to get, you know, (laughs) abducted and beaten by this crazy demon (laughs) character, you know. But I think it's a it's a really fun, creepy sort of folklore that goes to it. Um like I said, this is a pop culture show, so I had to pick a specific version. At least that's the rules I gave myself. So I would just go with the version of the character from the movie Krampus. Um, the reason I actually picked that one, though, is because I kind of feel like I haven't watched enough movies and read enough stuff with Krampus in it. So I'm kind of a Krampus noob in that way where like this is the most prominent version for me but i know there's a lot of more like b-level horror movies that feature the character and stuff and i really want to explore a lot of that stuff more i just haven't had the time to but the krampus movie is awesome i love the version of that character he had a really distinct cool look to him my only gripe with that version is the uh when you look at the Uh, mask work on the character like the character has like obviously this prosthetic mask but they made it so the mouth doesn't move 
Like if you watch the movie, you'll notice Krampus's mouth literally just hangs open the entire film. And I kind of was disappointed with that. I was kind of like, you probably could have done a more advanced prosthetic or had some sort of cool puppet work, but they kind of just had the mouth hang open on the mask and used uh, CG a little bit to make his tongue waggle around in a creepy way. But I just felt like they could have done a little bit better with the prosthetics in the movie, but still an awesome film. Pretty recent, but definitely cemented itself as a Christmas classic. So that was awesome. It's also a movie that really surprised me. Yep. Like I wasn't expecting, like I went into that movie with, I don't know what kind of expectations I had, but by the end of it, I was like, awesome. Yeah. Like this is really cool. I think one thing that, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off at all. One of the things that I think Krampus does really well is it, I feel like it's kind of, this sounds really bold, but it's kind of the perfect horror comedy in that it does something really similar that I feel like Evil Dead 2 did, where it tries to scare you and make you laugh literally at the same time. It's not like most horror comedies will have like a horror scene and then they'll have a comedic scene and it's always like separate. But Krampus, it's like, okay, there's a he has an evil gingerbread man that is going to attack the people. And the, the gingerbread man looks really silly and goofy and he makes you laugh but he also makes you scared at the exact same time. And I feel like not a lot of movies do that at all. Like evil two is the only other movie I can think of that, like, you know, like Ash is getting um, attacked by um, his headless ex-girlfriend with a chainsaw. And she looks really goofy chasing him around, but she's also horrifying and it's trying to scare you and make you laugh at the same time um, in, in Evil Dead 2. I feel like Krampus does the same thing. And I can't think of a lot of other movies that actually even attempt to that, really. So, well, the uh, in the in the Krampus film, the, uh, the the gingerbread man was a great character. It was a great sequence. It was probably one of the most talked about sequences in the movie. Yeah. Um, however, the one that really got me was the Jack in the Box. Yeah, that was awesome. That one was that one was another one that you laughed at, but you were terrified of it. Yep. Like, completely. It was it was just you want to talk about a really cool practical effect. <laughs> like awesome. Awesome. Anyway, uh, so my next one is, look, we've all been in this guy's shoes. We've all been there. We all know what it feels like. Um, and that's Ralphie. Yes. You know, I wasn't, I honestly thought what you guys, you and I might match on this, but I don't know. But yeah, Ralphie. We, we came uh, really, really, really close. <laughs> so uh, keep going and I'll explain. Yeah, no, I mean, Ralphie, man, he just wants, like, he wants a BB gun, but it doesn't matter if it's a BB gun or a Nintendo or a book or um, a piano or a drum set, or it doesn't matter what it is you're trying to get your hands on. You know, we've all been there. And we're all laying seeds, like, how do we get mom and dad to know this is what we want? And, like, you know, they're telling me no, but it's what I really want, so I got to keep trying to, like, how do I get them, you know? It's just, that's the whole plan, right? And then you run into, like, you have the school bully, and you have the stuff going on in the playground. And then you have the aunt who sends you the weird bunny costume, and you're just like, seriously, I got to put this thing on? Like, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But, yeah, we've all been there, and that's, you know... Ralphie kind of it's like just a perfect example. And so Ralphie's like, I, I've always loved that movie, but yeah. So, um, we almost matched, uh, Ralphie was on the top of my list. Um, it was honestly like 
today I kind of restructured my list and uh, he ended up not making it, but I, he should have. Um, so we, we definitely should have matched, but uh, it's just my list ended up going through a couple different versions. But Ralphie is uh, he's such a good pick. And uh, I actually saw on Twitter somebody uh, tweeted something about. Uh, Christmas story and then I was reading the comments what people were saying and this is earlier today I saw somebody say that a Christmas story perfectly I'm trying to figure out how they explain it but they're like it perfectly portrays the thought process of a 10 year old boy or however old Ralphie is in the movie it perfectly portrays that thought process and I was like that's a really beautiful way to put it and we've talked in the past like it's narrated by like uh gene shepherd's like really really well written prose but it does still encapsulate that like young kid how he thinks about things and i think that's a big part of what makes this movie so great so uh yeah awesome call definitely one of my favorite christmas characters even though it didn't make my actual list <laughs> sure well what is um, your what's your final pick of the night yes and I will go a little bit further and say he should have made my list because my last pick is definitely a cheat. <laughs> it is totally a cheat and shouldn't count uh, because it really falls into the lines of the Kermit the Frog thing that you were talking about earlier. Because I actually went with Co Cousin Eddie <laughs> from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And he is oh. a cheat because he is not a Christmas specific character. He is just... He's uh cousin Eddie. <laughs> yep, he's he's just the crazy annoying cousin um who's been in like the majority of the National Lampoon movies, but this character because of how popular Christmas Vacation is, he has in my opinion cemented himself in the pop culture Christmas um subconscious for everyone and uh that's why I picked him and you watch um you watch Christmas vacation and so many of the lines and so many of the situations are great because they're delivered by cousin Eddie, like the part with him, um, you know, emptying his, uh, <laughs> his trailer's sewage into the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, drain you, in the front yard. and like, at? what are you, yeah. Wait, she walks up. What are you looking at? <laughs> oh, just an asshole in his bathrobe. <laughs> absolutely or um that i that i kind of want to do that cousin eddie the one in the bathrobe with the bath that bathrobe outfit as a that'd yes. be great halloween costume absolutely absolutely um, um and then and then you can bring the uh they have those like wally world um eggnog glasses like you could be drinking out of that the whole time and it'd be amazing but oh the other line i love is the uh you know, he's like, now, Clark, that there's an RV. Now, don't be falling in love with it because I'm taking it with me when I leave next month. <laughs> That's another one of my favorite lines. Well, not, but, uh, not only that, but when Clark finally convinces him to let him like, I want to because he's like, we want to let you we want you and your kids to have a good Christmas. So can I let me know what they want so I can go out and get their presents. And when he finally agrees to it, he's like, well, here's a list alphabetical starting with Catherine. <laughs> mm hmm. I'm like. And I want to get you something too, Clark. And I want it to be real yeah. nice. <laughs> I yeah, love it. no, he's got cousin Eddie. I when you first were introduced to that side of the Griswold family in 
this in summer vacation or yep. just vacation. Yeah. He, there are some things with that family that just your jaw drops. Like they really just say that in a movie. Like really, like is that really like what <laughs> you know? Um, so <laughs> you couldn't do that movie Christmas Vacation without Cousin Eddie, and it was just great. Um, yeah, absolutely, so good. I actually yes. was wondering if you were gonna say uh, uh, Todd and Margot, um, because. <laughs> Like they just go through a bunch of crap in that movie, but I, I, my, my favorite moment with them is when they're trying to like when the icicle goes through the window and breaks the yeah. CD player or whatever, and she's like, "Why is the carpet wet, Todd? I don't know, Marco." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best lines. <laughs> anyway, uh, we could be we could do a whole episode on that. And to be fair, I think they would be they would count more as Christmas characters. <laughs> So maybe that's who I should have gone with. Yeah, because right. they're not in any of the other movies. But uh, yeah, go ahead. What? Uh, well, what do my you have? final Christmas character is more of a is also in the cheat category. Nice. Um, and I probably shouldn't pick it, but it's it's too good to not pass up. And if you're gonna have one person save Christmas, it's gonna be John McClane. Um, Great. At that's the end awesome. Of the, at the end of the day, I am a full proponent that. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, you don't get John McClane. You don't get Die Hard without John McClane. And he had to suffer through it twice, man. He just wanted to have a good Christmas. He's showing up for Christmas with his family, and he gets roped into the thing in Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. He's showing up for Christmas in New York with his parents, and he gets roped into that nonsense at the airport. So it's just John McClane. Two Christmas movies. I'm pretty sure you're considered a Christmas character at that point. Um, absolutely i don't need to go any deeper because we talk about die hard a lot and how we love it so yeah good call yeah. i for some reason didn't even think of this so i should have <laughs> and i don't know why i didn't but when we were on the show and we and we agreed that we were going to do christmas characters for our christmas list the, i literally wrote down john McClane and went well the rest <laughs> of the list will piece itself together later <laughs> awesome awesome i so, my thought process was actually Anything from Krampus to Cousin Eddie, and both of those made my final list. So <laughs> sure. there you go. <laughs> sure. Well, um, this brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, how long are we going? Are we, like, longer than I thought? I mean, for a Christmas episode, yeah, we're about normal length. All right. So we are moving into new territory. So first off, let me just say this. We are going to be off next week for the Christmas, New Year's break, gap, whatever. So we're going to take a week off. We will be back. Our next episode will drop. So this episode will land on the 26th. So enjoy it. If you have any Christmas or New Year's traveling that you're doing, um, we're going to be off that week. Uh, so the next episode that we will release will be on the 9th. So uh, January 9th will be our first episode back if I'm looking at the calendar right. So uh, when you come back, we're going to be moving into new territory and it's time to look at our anticipated films of 2023. These are the top five things that we are most excited about in terms of movies releasing. And there are a ton of movies. It's going to be hard to narrow it down, but man, the slate for next year is massive. So um, it'll be a good discussion. This and we're is, not going to have uh, a lot to say about it other than can't wait to see that movie. <laughs> so Absolutely. But this is always one of my favorite lists because it's all speculation, but as much as we don't know about these new movies coming out, it's also fun to speculate and let our imaginations run wild and just talk about 
I'm excited to see this and this is what I want to see. And I wonder if this is going to happen. And I, I think this is one of the one of my favorite lists we do each year. So I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And this is I'm I'm just excited. One, I'm excited because. Like you said, it's all speculation. We're just going to talk and hey, these are the movies we're excited about. There's so much coming. You guys, I don't think people really know how much is coming next year in terms of film. So, um, yeah, let's let's break it down. Um, you ready to toss this one in the can? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Um, do us all a favor, everyone. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll uh, find a link to our website. I'm oh, sorry, link to our so all the links are social media and uh, uh, Twitter. <laughs> wow. For a Christmas episode, I really screwed that up. Check out our <laughs> website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us on social media. Either way works. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. Um, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also... Uh, subscribe to us. If not subscribe to us, leave us a review. We love five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. And hopefully this break will allow me to not stumble through the uh, <laughs> and credits like I usually do. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be letting you know that if Rose broke a few eggs, she could have baked Jack his own door. <laughs> Cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome stretch. All right, everybody, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll, thanks for listening. We'll see you uh, next year. All right, have a good night.